Hello, welcome to episode 124 of the Cricket Her Weekly. We are at the very back end of the Commonwealth Games. We are here at, inside Edgbaston. This behind us is the mixed zone for cricket that's been in use all week um, for players to come up after the match and to do post-match interviews. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been an amazing few days at Edgbaston. Um, Sid, we've literally just watched the gold medal match um, between India and Australia, um, and Australia came out on top, but it was a cracker of a match wasn't it? Yeah we, th we thought that the uh, England-India match had been really good yesterday but this is another great match. Um, you know India definitely made Australia fight all the way. I, I'm not quite convinced, 100% convinced that, that at any point that they really, India really had it under control. They were always slightly chasing the game, weren't they? Um, so you know, Australia certainly didn't make the kind of total that they made in the T20 World Cup final a couple of years ago. So they were about sort of 25 runs short of that, 20 runs short of that, uh, 64, 74, 80, the 20 runs short of it. Um, and you know, so clearly India were in a position where they could potentially make that total. But they were always kind of slightly behind, behind the behind the eight ball, as it were. Um, so we saw that uh, Smriti and Shafali both got out reasonably mm -hmm. early. That left um, a lot of work for uh, Jamima and for Harmanpreet to do. Uh, as they do, they started reasonably slowly. They didn't go off at 90 miles an hour, but then they did kind of uh, start to put on runs. And Harmanpreet just looked for a bit as if she, we were going to see a, a Harman monster part two. We were going to see a repeat of that awesome performance in the, the World Cup semi-final in 2017. Um, but once she got out, again, they, they kind of, India stayed in touch, definitely. And Australia hadn't had a huge finish. Um, so, you know, you thought maybe, just maybe, but it was always just maybe, just maybe. And in the end, they just didn't quite have enough, did they? I think you're painting an inevitability to it that didn't actually exist at the time, Sid. I think that we've got it. We got it in our head that Australia were going to win. We've got it in our head that they were going to take home the gold medal, and of course that is what happened. But certainly for most of that run chase, um, with Harmanpreet certainly going great guns, I thought India are going to win this. Uh, so I'm not convinced it was quite as inevitable as you're making it out to be. Um, one slightly controversial thing that did happen um, was that Talia McGrath um, had tested positive for COVID right before the match. And we actually had a delayed toss and we were all scratching our heads going, mm, hang on, what's going on here? Why haven't we done the toss? And it was because Australia were trying to make a decision about whether to play her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was more controversy about this on Twitter than there was kind of in the stadium. I and mean, everyone in the, in the, you know, within the like the games organisation, people all knew what the deal was. You know, they were all prepared for this eventuality. There was kind of people had, you know, all the protocols laid out, um, and you know, it was pretty clear. You know, if you're sitting there wondering, you know, why we've got into this situation, well, essentially, to cut a long story short. Um, our government, you know, is uh, kind of existing in a state of COVID denial these days. As far as our government is concerned, COVID, you know, is not a significant issue anymore. Um, there are virtually no regulations at all. You're expected to go into work even if you test positive in this country. You're only expected to take time off if you test positive and you're symptomatic. Um, so, you know, and that's reflected in, in the, the kind of regulations that have been put together for the games. So, you know, if as long as she was basically feeling okay, then no one in 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 like, under our laws was going to have any problem with that um, so she was she was allowed to go ahead she was allowed to play um, and then you know the, the the Australians obviously themselves were happy to 
you know, have her on the pitch and to be around them. They were happy for her to be part of the celebrations. <laughs> Megan Shute said afterwards, basically, oh, if we get COVID now, you know, it's, what the hell, it was, it was worth it kind of thing. That was not quite what she said, but, but almost. Um, so, you know, I lost controversy on Twitter, but everyone here really knew what was going on and there was no nothing surprising about it really, was there? Yeah, and I think that it was actually, you know, quite... It would have been quite difficult to sort of say, well, you've played and you've been really important in the win in this tournament, but please can you stand over there at least two metres away while we have the medal ceremony? And by the way, that was that was such a special moment to witness, um, to see them all uh, getting the medals, um, with, especially with um, some of the Aussie players actually talks about this, actually having New Zealand on the podium next to them. Um, of course, they're used to kind of playing finals against, against India most recently, um, but a lot of the Aussie and New Zealand players really um, know each other very well and get on very well and so I think that that was quite a nice moment for those two nations to be stood next to each other on the podium um, as the gold and, and bronze medal winners. Yeah and a particularly special moment um, for, for the players when they received their souvenir Perry as well. <laughs> Every single medal winner got a little, a little Perry to take oh, home with them. So Elise Perry got a little Perry. Elise Perry got a Perry. <gasps> we she should did. give Perry the mascot a mini Elise Perry. Yeah. <laughs> Like a Russian doll of Perry's, and then the Perry the mascot could make little mini. But yeah, anyway, it's far so too late for that kind yeah, of joke. We're, we're quite tired. Um, I think that we might um, kind of wrap up our conversation about the final there. Um, but we are now going to take you back in time. Here's one wow. we recorded earlier. So, Sid, we've just watched the bronze medal match between England and New Zealand. Um, now, New Zealand are the bronze medalists at the Commonwealth Games 2022. So we're going to talk about that game in a minute. Um, but obviously England ended up in that situation as a result of having lost their semi-final to India yesterday, which was a bit of a shock result, wasn't it? Maybe it was a little bit. Um, I think India have been good at this tournament. If you look at their numbers, um, you know their batting numbers and their bowling numbers have both been good. You know they've, they've been taking wickets. They've been scoring a lot of runs in the power play. Um, you know, and they they did both those things again I mean particularly in scoring runs in the power play so they put on a lot of runs up front um, and you know they gave England their first real test of the entire summer basically because South Africa haven't really offered that stiffer test I mean you know if you talked to us six months ago and asked us what we thought would happen this summer we'd thought you know South Africa really challenged England and England should beat India that's not the way it's transpired um, it was definitely a good game though yesterday wasn't it it was a, it was a close game in the end there was only sort of four runs in it in the end it's perhaps slightly more than it, it looks a little closer on the scorebook because of the fact that Sophie Eccleston scored a six off the last ball when it was you know, effectively didn't matter anymore. Uh, would, so it would have been 10 and that, none of those circumstances. But, you know, a close game. Is it going to be the game of the tournament? Well, we'll find out uh, about the final. Um, but, yeah, it, it was an enjoyable game to watch. And, you know, at the end of the day, the best side, the best side won. Um, but, but only just so. Good contest between England and India. Um, so that took us through to uh, today's match, which was this bronze medal match. Um, and England kind of disappointed, didn't they, Raf? How, how, how did you feel watching on from the sidelines on the, the bronze medal match? Well, yesterday during the semi-final against India, I have to say I felt very nervous um, and was really willing England on um, the whole way through. And that's not really a feeling that I am very well acquainted with recently because, as you say, they've absolutely smashed all comers, This well, all comers being South Africa and everybody else in this tournament up to now this summer. Um, so yesterday I felt quite nervous. Today it was actually quite hard to watch, but in a different way um, because... That's not the way that we want to see England play their cricket um, and definitely a few of those early wickets up top in particular 
Um, they it, it really felt like some of the England batters were just sort of almost throwing their wickets away, um, and that's always quite uncomfortable and a little bit painful to watch. Um, and you know, it just it, it was just a bit of a damp squib of a bronze medal match. You want to see both sides be really up for it, but it felt like it was only New Zealand who who were really up for it, and you really did feel that um, England were struggling to move on from their really disappointing defeat in the semi-final. I think I actually tweeted saying, "Look, guys, it's a bronze medal." It's still matters you might think oh well we've thrown away our chance at the gold so um, you know we're, we're struggling to incentivize ourselves for this game um, but actually it does really matter and obviously some people might disagree with that interpretation but certainly watching it felt like um, they were kind of throwing it away a little bit um, and making it um, relatively straightforward for New Zealand who by the way are the loveliest team I could not be happier for Sophie Devine and Susie Bates. Um, we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about what my role has been this week, but suffice it to say, I've talked to a lot of players and those two this week have just been an absolute delight, as they always are, so I am so happy for them. Just a bit disappointed for England. Um, it was quite difficult to watch um, after the match. Um, Catherine Brunt come up here um, to give, to give um, some quotes to the media um, and she was really upset, really struggling to kind of hold back the tears. Um, but actually, yeah, yeah, it's 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 been difficult for England. Um, I think they have really missed Heather Knight. Actually, um, not, maybe not so much with the bats, um, but you do just feel that she would have added a level of calm to proceedings yesterday against India. That she would have actually been able to g them up for today's um, bronze medal match. Um, they they have got this kind of young squad at the moment, and you know we have encouraged them to pick those young players. So I don't think we can really complain. I'm not convinced that, you know, Alice Capsu, who's one of England's leading run scorers in the tournament, or, um, you know, Freya Kemp particularly are, are to blame for um, England not, you know, England crashing out of this without having won a medal. Um, it just feels like they needed that leadership at the top to steer them. Um, and, you know, somebody who's just very calm and with loads of experience of leading the team. That's something you don't, you can't substitute for. Yeah, very much so. And I think that as well where they've missed Heather Knight, her best has been, you know, acting as that sort of anchor of the innings. Um, that was a role that Nat Siver in, in all the games up to today basically had to play. Um, and it's not 100% her natural game, so she obviously felt that she needed to, to play slightly within herself, slightly more within her shell than she usually does. She kind of let go a bit today. I think she was there was there was a bit of a sort of an element that England were a little bit carefree today. Um, and you know, Nat did kind of look a little bit better and that there was more of that big hitting. Um, but if Heather had been in there, that would have offered that opportunity for a, a little bit more backbone role than all of England's batters being a sort of, you know, sea ball, hit ball kind of thing. Um, obviously, it's interesting to speculate because, of course, in some ways, Alice Capsey was playing instead of Heather Knight. So, you know, if Heather had been fit, would Alice Capsey not have played and would we not have seen the innings that we've seen from her in this tournament? I possibly, think Possibly not? I, well, I think that Maya Boucher wouldn't have played in that instance, uh, personally. Um, that's, just, that's just a guess. Um, but yeah, so I'm not I'm not convinced about that. But but they certainly have missed Heather Knight. Um, there was another uh, discussion today as well, um, a similar kind of missing of Tammy Beaumont, perhaps. Um, obviously, uh, Lisa Kitely and Heather Knight made that decision a few weeks ago when it wasn't clear, it wasn't apparent that Heather Knight herself would be missing the tournament. But they've effectively cut off the access to that other senior player with that. 
um, kind of that skill at game management um, and that calm head on her shoulders. Tammy Beaumont is a very calm cricketer, isn't she? And she, you really feel that she also would have been somebody who could have played that anchor role. Yeah, and the sort of quiet leadership that Tammy Beaumont can bring. She's, you know, she's she's not obviously England's captain. She's not the vice captain, um, but she would have shown the way with the way that she's being played. So that's a really fair point as well. I think it's going to be really tough for England, actually, um, to move on from this. I know you've just written in your piece that um, they're all going away now um, and they're going into a different team environment in the 100 um, and that that probably is a good thing for them. But this is going to be something that um, I think does kind of come back to haunt them almost. It's, you know, for somebody like Catherine Brunt, this is her only shot at, at winning a Commonwealth Games medal. For some of the others, you don't know whether they'll still be around in four years. That's a very tough thing to take as a player. So I do really feel for the England team. Um, I think it's been, it's, it's, it's been a tough one for them to take, um, but obviously lots of, lots of learning to take as well. Absolutely. Now we're going to finish off today by talking a little bit about you know the Commonwealth Games more generally and about kind of what RAF's role has been in the Commonwealth Games because RAF hasn't been you know she hasn't been riding for the Guardian as you might have noticed um, that's been being done by Andy Bull who's done a sterling job filling in for you I have to I have to <laughs> say RAF. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but Raf, so what actually have you been doing? Let's let's talk about that. Okay, um, well, I've been working for the Games News Service, so that's a sort of our internal Commonwealth Games um, provider of all of the news. Um, so that's that's who I've been working for. Um, and then in terms of my actual role, I'm what's known as a sports specialist. So there's one of me across every sport. There's a beach volleyball Raf. There's a boxing Raf, etc., etc. Um, so I'm the women's cricket Raf by the way, um, just in case that wasn't obvious. So I've been um, chosen for this role because of my kind of um, perceived expertise in women's cricket. Others would beg to differ, but there you go, I'm here. So um, my main role has been, so first of all, I'm in the press box for every match. Um, so after the final, a bit later, I will have watched every ball of every match of the Commonwealth Games. That's quite an achievement. It's been a lot of cricket. I'm absolutely knackered, but anyway, Never mind, it's been great. Um, and so I'm in the press box, so if there are any questions that come up about cricket specifically, then I'm there to answer them, because obviously you've got a lot of journalists at the Commonwealth Games who never watch cricket in their life. Um, we had that Canadian guy the other day who was sent over from uh, one of the news agencies who, you know, was sort of, you were trying to explain Duckworth Lewis to him or something, <laughs> which, you know, even to explain to anybody is quite difficult, let alone somebody who is more familiar with baseball than cricket. Anyway, so I've got that kind of role um, to be the uh, person who knows about women's cricket, but also the most important part of my job is um, after the game, I come here, so we are stood in what's known as the mixed zone. Um, so instead of having press conferences at um, the Commonwealth Games, um, they have the mixed zone. So basically the cricketers come up. Um, in, in most other arenas, they actually, it's right by the field of play. So athletes have to walk through it after their events. And you grab them on the way past and you say, Oi, Catherine Brunt, I want to talk to you. Obviously you do it politely though. Um, and you get them over and you just grab a couple of minutes of quotes and then they disappear off. Now they don't have to stop, but normally at other venues they have to walk through the mix zone. Here at Edgbaston it's been working a little bit differently. We've actually been sending down requests and the players um, who are happy to come up and talk will come up and talk then. So I grab the quotes, I then go and type them out, I send them into the Games News Service and they end up on the media portal. Um, and every um, journalist or news organisation who's signed up to access the media portal for the Commonwealth Games gets these quotes. Um, so that's 
that's what I do in a nutshell. Okay, so you've interviewed a lot of different players over the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Any, any standout conversations you've had with any particular players? I actually made some notes on this because there's been such an amazing variety of quotes um, and there's been some very entertaining things that have been said, such as Grace Harris um, saying that um, if she was going to do any other sport at the Commonwealth Games, it would be shooting. Um, she says, I read at an Olympics one year that the shooter ate a whole tub of ice cream before she went out. And I thought, if you can do that before your sport, that's the sport for me. Love Grace Harris. She's such good value, isn't she? I wish we could just have her in the mix zone every single time Australia play. Anyway, um, we had Catherine Brunt earlier in the week talking about the kit, the New England kit, Team England kit that they got for the Commonwealth Games. And she said that she liked that it was red because it was patriotic, but she didn't like the trousers because they were too flary. So the trousers are a bit too 1970s for Catherine Brunt. Uh, we've had Talia McGrath admit that um, during a match um, she wasn't sure whether to use DRS review because the ball had hit her glove um, and then Beth Mooney pointed out to her that if it had hit her glove then that didn't count as being out LBW and she was like oh yeah so she said I had a bit of a brain fade so that was a fun one um, there was a great one from Divine about Catherine Brunt Sophie Divine saying that Catherine Brunt um, she's been pestering us for 15 years we can't wait until she retires um, so that was hilarious um, and then in terms of kind of insightful quotes, um, we've just been talking about Nat Siver being the standing captain for Heather Knight. Um, but what we had was, was actually Nat Siver saying that when Heather Knight was ruled out of the Commonwealth Games, it was a little bit easier for her to come in and be captain. She said, um, it's nice to not be like, is she going to play? Is she not going to play? I feel like I'm in a good rhythm with it. And I felt very calm on the pitch today. The first few games, I was a bit like, ah, so that was in the kind of insightful quote into um, you know, how it can be quite difficult for somebody to come in and do the captaincy on a sort of temporary game-by-game -game basis and not quite know what's going to happen. So, yeah, lots of really great quotes. OK. Now, what's, what's been really interesting about this is it's sort of a, a big multi-sports games. Um, although they call it a sports mega event, don't they? Yeah. Um, you know, how's it been you know, for you working inside a, a multi-sport games yeah. when it, almost everything you've done in your career so far has been just you know, tournaments focused on cricket? You've covered World Cups and Ashes Series and T20 World Cups all over the world. What's been different about this? Um, well, first of all, it's been brilliant. It's been wonderful. Um, I think she's paid to say that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've had the best time. This is the best thing that I've done in my whole journalism career. Um, it's so nice to feel like you're part of a big team. And it's so nice to feel like you're contributing to a really big hole. Um, and I think that that's, that's been lovely. It's been great to meet lots of other people. So I was actually in Birmingham for about 10 days before the game started because we were doing training. So I met all of the other sports specialists, lots of the sub-editors who are working on the central editorial desk, um, who have all got these hugely different careers in journalism, very long careers, some of them, loads of experience. So it's been a real learning curve for me getting to grips with it. But there's been some great support there and I'm really interesting to hear about what happens at other covering other sports so um, there's been there was a little bit of a thing here at Edgbaston because um, the Commonwealth Games don't provide any media food and obviously Edgbaston has a reputation for providing the best food on the cricket circuit and I said this to somebody and they were like well you know when I cover my sport I never get any food I might get a tea or a coffee but I never get any food that's at international level um, so I think cricket and football are two of the only sports where actually we've sort of come to expect food and getting fed and it's a little bit of a check your privilege moment there I think so that's been quite um, that's been very enlightening um, I think it's been great from a cricket perspective um, 
I mean this in the nicest possible way, but I think cricket can be a bit up itself sometimes and think it's bigger than it is. Um, and that sometimes we as cricket writers can get in a, in a big cricket bubble and think that cricket is really important and really matters. And of course it does you know, in and of itself. But if you're at the Commonwealth Games, there are all of these other sports going on. And there aren't that many journalists who are kind of making the trek over here to Edgbaston to come and kind of, kind of cover the cricket um, because they've got other things going on. Um, and of course, so, so cricket has to kind of get itself in perspective. If it wants to be part of these multi-sport events going forward, it needs to realise that, you know, the Commonwealth Games doesn't dance the cricket's tune. Cricket has to dance the tune of the Commonwealth Games if we want that kudos that's come from being at, um, at a sports mega event. That's really interesting, yeah. Um, and what about Birmingham, Raf? Because, you know, we've come to Birmingham. It's not somewhere that I've spent a huge amount of time. Um, you've spent a little bit more time there over the years because you've got some family that lived here for a, about 10 years. Um, but how have you found Birmingham? How have you found the welcome here? Oh, I love it. Love it. Love the Brummies. Um, it's, it's, it's a great place. It's been so welcoming. Um, we've been staying, lucky enough to stay right in the centre, um, right by the canal. Um, beautiful running routes, except when I fell over and had to spend a, a morning in an NHS walk-in centre. But, you know, that's fine. You live and learn. Um, there's great bars, great restaurants. Not that we've been spending that much time in those since the games actually started but obviously I was here for a few days beforehand um, yeah no it's been really nice and it just feels like people have really got behind the Commonwealth Games um, and one of the things that's so nice is to just walk through Birmingham City Centre um, and see all of these people um, in this kind of this, this bright quite garish uniform um, and just having a great time and really really getting involved so yeah that's partly what I mean about feeling part of a, a bigger whole I think. Okay, and now uh, the really big question, mm. Raf. Um, you know, the, there's been a lot of talk about cricket in the Olympics, and the ICC mm. have made kind of a decision that they're going to pursue the opportunity that's offered by cricket in the Olympics. It does slightly bring to mind the old Mrs. Merton joke. Just what is it about the millions of dollars <laughs> available from the Olympics that's attracted cricket to the to this idea? Um, but you know. The, the Commonwealth Games has very much been seen as a little bit yeah. of a dry run. Um, the Commonwealth Games is not the Olympics. Everyone's here that works for the Commonwealth Games is very keen to stress mm. that. But nonetheless, people have said it's a bit of a dry run for the Olympics. How do you feel now, having been through this experience, about cricket's prospects in the Olympics? Um, I've got mixed feelings. And I think the reason why I've got mixed feelings is largely to do with, as I understand it, um, so something Claire Connor said about this um, the other day, actually, about cricket being in the Olympics. She said, oh, well, you know, we at the ECB and the ICC have yet to decide whether we want it to be, um, you know, just women's cricket or men's cricket as well in the Olympics. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a really very interesting thing to say, but because as I understand it, that's not a choice that um, anyone in cricket can make. The IOC mandate that if you're a sport and you're in the Olympics, then you have to be both men's and women's. Netball has fought for years to try and get in the Olympics to no avail because it's a women's only sport at international level. Um, and so that is not something that cricket has the power to decide. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's what makes me hesitate because one of the great things about the Commonwealth Games and cricket being in the Commonwealth Games, and obviously I'm a bit biased, I've got my perspective on it, is that it's been a women's cricket thing. It's been something that we've had that's been special, that's been different to men's cricket. Men's cricket can go on over there and crack on with the hundred and whatever it wants to do and that's fine. Um, but we've had this and it's been really big news and we don't get very many occasions where it feels like women's cricket is kind of front and centre in terms of cricket. 
Um, and so that's something special. And I just think that if we're going to be in the Olympics and men's cricket has to be there as well, then you lose some of that specialness. And I'm not convinced that the men's cricketers, you know, the top men's cricketers actually want to be at the Olympics. They've got a really crowded international schedule. You've got people like, um, you know, Ben Stokes say, oh, I'm going to retire. Oh my goodness, we just said Ben Stokes on the Cricket Her podcast. Is that is that a first? Anyway. Who? who, who? <laughs> You've got, you've got people who are retiring from formats of cricket, haven't you? Because they're saying, oh, I can't possibly manage it. You just feel like the men wouldn't actually be that keen on being at the Olympics and that would ruin it. I don't want the men to ruin it. I don't want the men to be at the Commonwealth Games. I don't want them to ruin that either. Like, let's just have our, let's have our women's cricket, moment in the sun, our time to shine. And that's what the Commonwealth Games has been about for me. That's what's made it so special. Okay, well, thank you very much. That was a great, great insight, Raf. Um, so, well, that's been it from the Commonwealth Games. We'll be uh, back somewhere next weekend. Gosh, I have no idea where we're going to be or how we're going to be. Um, we're probably <laughs> going to sleep for about a week. <laughs> but we've got the 100 coming up hot on the heels of this tournament. So we'll be bringing you lots of coverage of that. We'll see you there. For the moment, goodbye. <laughs>